Doug, as you know, we have joined the Professors FM podcast network. So it's extremely exciting. It's like for the first time in my life, I'm going to have academic friends. This is big. And as part of this, we're going to talk about some of the other shows on the network. One of the things we talk a lot about in terms of sports analytics is the role of incentives, right? It's all about incentives. And so one of the other shows on the network is called Taxes for the Masses, brought to you by Lisa DeSimone from the University of Texas and Bridget Stomberg from Indiana University. And so what these two ladies do is they dive into all things taxes. I think it's a great compliment to what we do. In some ways, there's nothing bigger in public policy than taxes in terms of shaping the economy and society because taxes change how people behave. So, you know, give it a listen. Great show. Hey, welcome everyone. Welcome to the Phantom Analytics Fanalytics Podcast with Mike Lewis and Doug Battle brought to you by Emory Marketing Analytics Center. Doug, how are you today? I'm doing well, Mike. I'm coming off All-Star Weekend with reinvigorated hopes of winning the dunk contest one day. Uh, Mac McClung represented well this weekend and honestly living out every kid's dream. I remember as a kid, I think the dunk contest to me as a kid was more uh, of an aspiration than winning the NBA finals. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I don't know why guys like LeBron, guys like Giannis don't put themselves out there. Even like Anthony Edwards, I think I would think it would be great for him building that stardom. But Mac McClung straight out of the G League, uh, I have to think that putting him in the dunk contest was somewhat of a push to include the G League and promotion of the G League on All-Star Weekend. But man, he uh, he was impressive. He had one of the better dunk contests I've ever seen. Well, I you know I don't know exactly how to respond because you know you start talking about the All Star Weekend, uh, the dunk contest. I don't even know if they still did the three point shooting contest. Yeah, Dame. You know the the, the dunk contest dominated social media. Um, but you know, and as you're talking about why the stars don't do it, it does bring up all sorts of you know big picture issues about. An, an all-star game, which is what the NBA all-star game is. You know, all the major leagues have them. And whether or not these things continue to work. And I mean, they, look, these things used to be, you're right, huge highlights of every season, with the exception mm-hmm. of the NFL Pro Bowl. But, you know, Major League Baseball's all-star game was a centerpiece of the, you know, of the of the summer. The NBA all-star game, all-star game a centerpiece. And when they started the dunk contest and they had Dominique Wilkins and Michael Spud Jordan. Webb. Yeah, Spud Webb and Larry Bird from th- you know three point shooting. Yeah, those things were uh, those things were amazing. They were they probably very quickly became the highlight of the weekend or the more memorable. No one remembers the actual games, <laughs> no. right? With, with the exception of let's say the All Star game where Michael Jordan was what was the thing like the where he was froze out by Isaiah Thomas and then the next year they froze out Isaiah. Yeah, you know, that kind yeah. of nonsense. But yeah, I mean, the stars don't participate anymore. And so you're down to now, what, Mac McClung? Of Who's, the, who, by the way, hasn't been playing in the NBA. He's been in the yeah. G, he just signed a, a two-way contract with the Sixers, but he's been playing in the G League. So this is a guy who, high school phenom, his videos were all over the place. It was like Zion Williamson. No one thought he was going to be Zion Williamson, but he just was had spectacular highlights. 
and went to Georgetown, had an underwhelming career, transferred to Texas Tech, uh, still kind of underwhelming, and he's bounced around G Leagues. You know, it's like it's like if the NFL, it's like if the highlight of NFL All Star or Pro Bowl weekend was somebody off of the practice squad, like Mac McClung. But hey, I got to give it to him. He made, I mean, that was his moment. That was his, he, he made some money. Like he got that Puma endorsement. He's, I'm sure there's going to be people buying Mac McClung jerseys, you know, cause, because of his performance on, uh, on Saturday and you got to hand it to the guy went out there, outperformed the NBA dunkers, did something that, you know, yeah, I mean, it's a trophy that Michael Jordan has. It's a trophy that <laughs> Vince Carter has. Like he, he's got that same trophy. And man, it, it was fun to watch, even though going into it, I was like, why do they have a G League guy at NBA All-Star Weekend? I, I guess, I mean, so the problem, I, I, I think in terms of what they've created now is that none of the stars want to participate because they're worried about their brand, their brands, right? And it's like, I think, you know, once you have a sporting league, uh, an endeavor where people are concerned about their brands, you kind of know you've. You've, you've you've gone in the wrong direction because no one wants to lose this thing, right? Yeah. No one wants to be, no no one wants to be defeated by Mac McClung <laughs> in, in the in the slam dunk contest can, when you are the greatest athletes in the world. Can you imagine how much LeBron would be getting clowned right now if he had finally participated in the dunk contest only to lose to Mac McClung? Like, I get it. It's a and I was watching the three-point shooting contest with a buddy, and he was like, why is Dame Lillard in this? Why would he do this? And I'm thinking, why wouldn't Dame Lillard do that? Like, he is the three-point, you know, the premier deep ball guy in the entire NBA. But my buddy's like, yeah, but if he goes out there and shoots a couple bad shots, you know, it's not a good look if, if he loses one of these, you know, Tyrese Halliburton or somebody. And, uh, and I don't know. I like guys like Damian that aren't worried about that. Like, and of course, Damian Lillard won. Uh, the three-point shooting contest, but I like guys that that just are you know they they don't have that scared to lose mentality, uh, and of course Mac McClung doesn't have that. He doesn't have anything to lose. But I do think the NBA misses, you know, imagine a dunk contest with John Morant, Zion Williamson, LeBron James, Anthony Edwards, like kind of representing the the young crowd. Uh, I mean, that would probably get better ratings than the NBA Finals. Okay, but Doug, a couple of things. I don't think any of those guys are better dunkers than Mac McClung. I think, <laughs> I think, I think Anthony Edwards and John Morant. I don't know if they have the creativity. That's the thing. And that's the of, thing. Right? Yeah. The, I heard someone say that McClung is an Instagram phenom rather yep. than an NBA phenom. No, he's like, like he's like the first. Fair. He's like the first TikToker to make it into like an NBA jersey. Like <laughs> he's that Gen Z representing well, and like he probably is more famous in his generation than like Anthony Edwards or some of these like legitimate first round pick type players that are developing into stars in a in a genuine and traditional NBA way. McClung has been an internet sensation for 10 years. So he's kind of an influencer. And I'll be interested to see if he gets like kind of how in college sports with NIL, sometimes it's not the best performers. It's the best personalities or the people with the biggest followings. Like that's why we've seen, 
you know, these female athletes in college who are top of their sport, but the ones that are top of their game on Instagram are making more money than Heisman winners. And so I'm like, is Mac McClung going to be kind of that the professional version of that where he can, I mean, if all he does, if, you know, if they drop Jack Harlow from white man can't jump and add Mac McClung, um, he's, I've, I've seen some people clamoring for that and he's, he's kind of a legend now. And I'll be curious to see, you know, if we start seeing him in subway ads alongside Steph Curry and people whose achievements on the court are far superior, um, but that have a equivalent social following. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look up Mac McClung on Instagram. I, I don't have, a, <laughs> I don't have a TikTok account, so I can't do that if he's bigger there. Uh, it's got to be enormous because he's been like viral one, sensation for forever. It's one million followers, but he may have. Oh, that's I not mean, very good. <laughs> he may have gained. I mean, if he's big, maybe he's some multiple that on TikTok, and he, maybe he's just gained a couple hundred thousand followers. Because I think it's pretty clear that Mac McClung won all. He is the memory from this All Star Weekend. Sorry, uh, Mr. Tatum. Yeah, the other interesting thing about Mac McClung is he's been on like so many different teams like he uh because he played at georgetown and then he went to texas tech then in the nba and this is a case for a lot of uh g league types he played for the lakers played for the bulls played for the warriors now he's signed with philly i don't know if he played at all for any of those teams it's probably their affiliated g league teams more so um but there he's he's a journeyman at this point as a young guy and I'll be curious to see. I don't know how much Philly signing him has to do with his potential as a real contributor versus like a like Mike situation where it's like almost a butts and seats kind of thing. But would love to see him have a Jeremy Lin, Lin Sanity stretch and set the world on fire because I think he's got the. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the he's got the uh the beginnings of something like that right now. Oh, it's it's completely in the spud way. I mean, like I'm sorry, Doug. That was those were impressive, very creative, kind of next level dunks. Like it, it, all of them went to sort of that next level, but mm -hmm. he is definitely in that almost novelty category with Spud Webb, right? Because he's not an NBA player. He, he's baby faced. Yeah. It, it's he looks like he looks like he's fifteen or sixteen for sure. Yeah, and now you tell me that he's essentially in a TikTok influencer. Man, in some ways, this story gets better. And this is, in some ways, maybe the per, a very early on kind of perfect twenty twenty three sports story. Because, look, I don't know if the guy can play at all. I don't know if he can <laughs> shoot. I don't even know how tall he is. But he has clearly taken. He demonstrated one skill to an exceptional level and you know you have an, a million instagram followers and a few million tiktok followers i think they said he won a hundred grand in prize money for winning the dunk contest you know he may be making far more than that already just as an influencer yeah and i don't know that he i won't I don't know he would be classified as an influencer yet but i'm just saying like now he's got he's been such an internet legend for so long it's like how is he not and monetizing that given that he hasn't been on nba contracts till now now he is uh, but you know i wouldn't be shocked to see him kind of step into that world i do see on his uh on his instagram that he's got an endorsement with jackson which is like a ju men's jewelry 
like chains and stuff. Um, yeah. So he has been, so I guess he is an influencer in that way. He's, he's been modeling and uh, representing that brand as I think they they have a number of professional athletes um, sign with them. I know this because I get ads. I mean, you, you, if he never gets really, maybe he never even gets in a game with Philadelphia. He's definitely got the potential to remember that you ever see that guy, the, the professor, this dribbling. Oh yeah. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason I suspect the professor makes a lot of money across these social platforms. McClung definitely has the capability to do something, to do something similar uh, across these platforms. So it's, it's kind of this new breed of, it's this new breed of athlete where, you know, and I, I, I don't know. It, it's in some ways it feels a little, little Logan, Jake Paul kind of, <laughs> of internet. Partially because he kind of looks like them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, beyond that though, the, the all-star game. Okay. You push back on this. And again, I, I don't know if it's me or, or if it's just, you know, the way these things are going. Terrible. The uniforms. Um, <laughs> I, don't want to see, I think I've said this every year. I don't want to see Team LeBron versus Team Giannis. I want to see something that actually, uh, you know, like if I'm Kevin Durant, I'm not even showing up for this. Like, I'm so annoyed that, oh, wait, I don't get to be a team. You're telling me I'm not that that level. The complete lack of, Defense. I mean, I, look. I get it's a spectacle, but I don't. At this point, I don't even know what it's a spectacle of. It, it struck me as kind of kind of boring, and then it becomes like, oh well, this is the Jason Tatum uh, yeah. tribute game for some reason. Yeah, Jason Tatum definitely. I don't know. He stole the show, but it wasn't much of a show. I will say the All Star Game, like winning MVP, that used to be when people would do like the Jordan comparisons to kobe they would have the finals finals mvps mvps and they would put all-star game mvps on there like it meant something you know like that was an achievement and Giannis tapping out after one bucket in the first like six seconds and lebron tapping out after 14 points and, and you know just deciding to rest his body the rest of the way uh it clearly doesn't mean anything to these guys and i don't know if that's the lack of the competitive nature whereas a guy like jordan just like because you don't you don't accidentally win that thing like six times or eight times or however many times Jordan won it. Like you know he went into that saying, I'm gonna be the guy, I'm gonna win this thing, I'm gonna get that trophy and add it to my collection. And I don't know if anybody seems to really care about that, even like from a selfish standpoint. You would think well, that me- like LeBron or Giannis would value that. And I, I know Giannis is hurt, but and LeBron is is to some degree, but Okay, but I mean let's even think about that scene in the last dance, um, the episode where Jordan is focused on making a movie. Yeah. And he's bringing all of his friends out to California, right? But they, they got a court out there. And you can tell that there was more intensity in that pickup game than there is in the All-Star game now. Yeah. Right? And that's kind of a curious thing, right? That the All-Star game has been completely divorced from, you know, kind of pride. And so here's here's an observation that, you know, if I think back to why the Major League All-Star game was a big deal, it was because it was something different, right? You're sitting there in your hometown, you're in Pittsburgh, you're in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. You, you, most of your coverage is on the, via the radio. Sometimes you go to the games. But you're just really dealing with your team. And then every once in a while, you get to see other players from across your league. The All-Star game was the one time 
where you almost got to like, it was like the first version of fantasy sports, right? Of, oh, you see these, this, these legends from New York, Mickey Mantle, Lou Gehrig, depending on the, on the year, and they're all together, right? And so it's like this, you know, the, the little kids are like, can you imagine Sandy Koufax pitching against, you know, th- this other kind of all-star? But now, and I think this is especially true for the NBA, all of these guys, the top stars, are featured in social media and national TV every day. And their games are almost all, you know, the, the, the availability of seeing them play each other, especially if you're just interested in video highlights, it's on Twitter instantly, right? Mm-hmm. And so I might argue that at this point, this stuff has kind of lost its magic of being this unique thing. And then the fact that these guys are all now sort of more geared towards protecting their brands rather than getting some competitive intensity I almost wish they would stop it, Doug. I, I really do. Oh, I mean, I don't know what you do instead because it's become a tradition. But it, uh, it it's it's like one of those sporting events that's almost as actually painful for me to tune into. Yeah, and Mike Malone touched on that, calling it the worst game ever played. I think worst basketball <laughs> game ever played. Um, it's well, like there needs to be some incentive for the players because it's a marketing clear- event this point right yeah and it's like, so you're tuning into a marketing event which is you know maybe that's fine once in a while but yeah i was i was watching yesterday and i told a buddy um this is what people who hate on the nba that don't watch the nba think that the nba is like <laughs> when they say yeah. they don't play defense in the nba they don't all they do is shoot threes all they do you know there's no there's no fundamentals. There's no like watching it. Guys, we were getting out of the way if someone was driving into the paint. Um, it, it's just kind of a disgrace as far as it spits in the face of everything we love about basketball. And it, you're right as far as the pride thing, where it's like, don't these guys just, you know, care about their performance or the game enough to go out there and compete? And clearly, I mean, I understand there's money on the line for them and they don't want to get hurt. I just don't know how much more you risk getting hurt playing in an exhibition game than you would at practice in the off season or in the Olympics or any of these other, you know, street ball games that we see these guys in drew league in the summer, like they do all that and they compete in that. So it's <laughs> why not compete in the all-star game? I'll never understand it. But if I'm the NBA, I'm trying to find some way to incentivize whether, you know, for the longest time, I always thought it was really good that the MLB had the home field advantage, um, aspect of their all-star game where where players were incentivized to want to win that game and it had some impact on the season and that's something i wouldn't be surprised to the nba consider that type of move yeah and again i don't i just don't know how big of a deal that is right i mean maybe if you're uh in a first place team that that's something but it 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 just strikes strikes me as and again i I don't want to be like this this naysayer but it's 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 like their spectacle in terms of bringing the stars together, but there's got to be a point to it, right? Yeah. There's got to be something in it for the fans beyond saying, uh, you know, this you, that you see all these guys together, right? There, there's got to be some, you know, for lack of a better term, kind of something authentic about the level of competition, which I think is why we love Max McClung today, right? Is he was putting it all out there as opposed to, uh, you know, this kind of the worst game ever played. Yeah, you could tell that was the Super Bowl for him 
and and uh and it entertained i can't keep my eyes off the kid i'm watching i'm on his instagram right now and i mean these dunk videos are just so fun to watch and i i gotta take back something that i said i had said that he was an influencer and then i took it back so i don't know he's like technically an influencer he's definitely an influencer he's every other post is promoting he's got one i mentioned jackson he's got one with at&t um he's got a jump program where he he's promoting like a sold program for helping people get their vertical jump better. (laughs) He's got this one video of him missing a bunch of dunks, like easy dunks. And he's like talking to his buddy and his buddy's like, dude, you should try these insoles. They make you bouncier. And then he puts them in and he's like doing all the crazy dunks he was doing in the dunk contest. Like the dudes in it, he's an NBA influencer. um, And he's probably getting more marketing attention than guys that are scoring 20 points a game. I've I've seen him in more you know bare bottom clothing, uh, Jackson like Theragun Therabody. Um, he he's it's it's just a it's an interesting deal nowadays with social media playing a bigger role in you know how marketable a player is or, or how much they're used in advertising uh, than their actual on the court performance because I don't know he probably averages zero points per game in his NBA career though. Probably, but uh, again, it's like it's this. It's an interesting thing. It's almost like decomposing, decomposing the value of an athletic star, right? It's he's obviously never going to get to the level of LeBron or Durant in terms of the social media following, but his novelty act, his spectacular dunks, it, it could be a very healthy income, right? A very healthy income that is very <laughs> sustainable and something that he has, and this is an important part, sort of total control over it. I mean, yeah. if he can build that audience across these platforms to, you know, several million people, then he is in fact a brand. And where does it go from there? You know, how long does it last? It's hard to say, but again, it's it's interesting that we've have a clear winner for all-star weekend. This happens sometimes. Usually it's like someone that's almost anointed, right? It's yeah. like, Oh, it's this person's, this person's turn. But this one is, I think this one's great because this, this is almost like a, this is like, be honest, this is a Rudy story. Yeah. This is, this is Rudy or Rocky or whatever it is. This is a guy that beat down the door and said, Hey world, I'm, you know, I'm as good as anyone here. Yeah. It's Rudy with like a five-star high school athlete. <laughs> um, yes. He, he was a big, big recruit, but six foot two, 185 pounds. He's played in two NBA games, four points per game. 0.5 assists per game. Uh, so it, you, based on the numbers, you know, 50% field goal shooting. I, I don't know. I'm guessing he took uh, four shots. <laughs> Made two of them. Uh, so anyway, Mac McClung, NBA legend. I The more I watch him, the more I'm like, okay, I'm going to get a jersey. The problem is I don't know what team to get a jersey for because he's played on like <laughs> He's technically he's played in two games, but he's played for like six teams already, and I, I imagine that trend continues as it yeah. often does for these uh, these G League types. Every time I've ever seen him, he's in a Philadelphia jersey. Every time, <laughs> uh, the one time, um, yeah. <laughs> and and also it's it's funny because we feel like this is like this rookie or this young guy. He's twenty four, like he's the same age as Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic. Really? So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so he's uh he's been bouncing around the league for for a little bit and uh you know, I guess I guess this is 
this is his time. Maybe he breaks in the league. Maybe, like I said, I want to see a Jeremy Lin situation. I'll be keeping an eye on it. But um, the NBA's biggest influencer, perhaps now we we will see this week. Okay, Doug. Beyond <laughs> beyond the NBA, and and again, it's in, look. It, sometimes I think it's kind of an interesting play if you have a more of a historical perspective on sports. Um, you know, the NBA All-Star Game is the sort of the big thing of the weekend. There's also the Daytona 500. I mean, this is, you know, but but all this stuff, I think, still kind of uh, pales in comparison to the monolithic professional football world of, of American culture. Um, you know, as a strange aside, the XFL started. We could talk about the team names, uh, but I'll be honest with you. Just from watching the highlights this morning on ESPN, I'm so confused by the rules in terms of the kickoffs <laughs> and going for three that I almost want to let some of this marinate for a while. I mean, do you get do you got any thoughts on the XFL? Uh, I think the NFL is going to end up adopting their kickoff rule because the kickoff as it stands, they've moved it so far that no one ever returns kicks in college. Um, so maybe college football as well. But th- I think there's misproportionately serious risk of injury on those kickoff plays and so having them kind of line up but have the ball kicked to where they can actually return it and it's an actual play out of the game uh i thought was an improvement so i kind of view i i think what the xfl is doing i think they're doing that intentionally to make it interesting like people like you and i kind of get confused by it and want to figure it out um but also for the nfl it's probably like you know the xfl is able to take risks that they can't and do trial and error they can see what works, see what doesn't work and, and pick what they choose. Uh, I know their instant replay change. So like if the ball, um, on a replay, they, they can change the spot, even if they're reviewing something else, like if they're reviewing for pass interference or something that ends up, Oh, he caught it. Um, but he actually went down on the, on the 25, not on the 24 or 24 and a half or whatever. They'll, they'll move the ball. There's little things that got people talking on Twitter saying, hey, why doesn't the NFL do this? So I think that's smart by the XFL. I just can't ever get into minor league football, particularly with there now being two different leagues. And of course, college football being really the ultimate minor league football. Um, I I don't know how it sustains, but it's something to keep an eye on. Well, and I'll say this, that the, uh, the other thing is, there was one year where there was a new foot. I think it was like the AAF or the AAF, American something. Alliance football. of American. Yeah. The Birmingham and Iron. I, I remember the, them. I had the president of the Atlanta Legends come to class in like two weeks after his appearance. The league disbanded in the middle of the season. So I think on these things, it's almost like safe. We got to we gotta watch this play out to make sure they even meet payroll. Yeah. And, you know, get to season number two i remember Uh, that there were players that like didn't get paid and were petitioning to get paid for the longest time so what a time okay what i want to talk about today is we want to look the nfl and the quarterback narratives continue nonstop. uh so i wanted to start with the nfl the afc east and just sort of talk a little bit about where these quarterbacks and where these teams were last year and some reflections on where it looks like they might go this year. Now, there's going to be a lot of movement. You know, as an aside, though, did you see this thing with Bryce Young and Mina Kimes? No. Oh, you got to see this. So uh, Bryce Young is projecting, you know, the, the big Bryce Young story, right, is if is he going to be drafted by the Chicago Bears who already right. have a quarterback in Justin Fields? 
But this was on Twitter that with, uh, I think someone tagged, it was a picture of Bryce Young and Mina Kimes, who's an analyst for ESPN, saying, and a Mina or Mina, I'm not even sure, may have cost him the worst photograph ever in terms of draft <laughs> prospects. Because it, you pull it up, Doug. Pull it up so, so you know. What you're talking about. Because it looks like they're just about the same size. Oh no! <laughs> and so Bryce Young is listed at I think six foot one ninety, but this picture next to me and look, Bryce Young has essentially been playing against professional competition against Georgia and Tennessee, those kind of those those level of athletes, but he looks small. He looks tiny. I hope she's wearing heels. There was a follow-up tweet where she said she was wearing four-inch heels. There we go. But that doesn't, that doesn't even help either because, uh, I mean, how tall? <laughs> Does that mean she's 5'2 and she was getting to 5'6? <laughs> <laughs> also, you say they're the same size. You're not just talking about height. Um, no. And the heels have nothing. Yeah, yeah, the heels have nothing to do with how you're built. Yeah, that's that's you're right. That's a little concerning for Bryce Young. I know, uh, like of course the the Georgia fan base has always pointed out. There's one picture of Stetson Bennett and Bryce Young after the game, and yeah, they're in the same draft class. And Bennett's kind of viewed as this: will he get drafted, or you know, will he be like a seventh round mystery, irrelevant? Like, can he make a team or get drafted? And Young, with Young, it's is he the first number one pick? And the knock on Bennett has always been, he's just too short. If he were a couple inches taller, he'd be an NFL quarterback. He's just too short. And some people have pointed out he's at least the same height as Bryce Young. Um, Similar accomplishments. I mean, of course, more championships, less Heismans, less yards, but more wins. (laughs) And uh, and so there's that debate as well, which I'm, I'm not picking a side on that. I'm just simply pointing out the fact that Young has the same measurables as a quarterback who is maybe going to be drafted, maybe not, and he's in contention for the number one pick. Yeah, but you look at that picture, and (laughs) you'd be lying if you didn't say you were now just terrified of drafting him because he just looks absolutely tiny. Yeah, I got to say, Justin Fields, you don't have to worry about the way he's built. He's got the NFL... NFL stature. Bryce Young does not. I think the you know the Bears fans that want to trade Fields or, or want to draft Young see that they, they feel comfortable that Young can read a defense better, that type of thing. Fields can probably throw the ball further. He's faster. He's stronger, bigger, taller. But in the NFL, we've seen time and time again that sometimes it's not the measurables. It's, it's that sixth sense that Bryce Young seems to have that a lot of people think Bryce Young has. And that's a huge story that I'll be following this offseason because I have no idea what the Bears are going to do. And as we've talked about for years, when Justin Fields in the mix, something dramatic will happen. It's just inevitable. And the coverage will be weird. And we will get to, <laughs> we will get to the Bears in, in, a, yeah, in a couple of Yeah, a later week. Here. A later week. But so we th- I thought we'd start with the AFC East. Like I said yeah. to you in the text sort of just alphabetical order and based on geography working east to west um at at the start of the year you know doug i i put this out there as one of the more interesting divisions in terms of quarterback narratives the way i looked at it was we had josh allen as this uh, sort of the next guy up and this is this was preseason right this superman in terms of physical potential the next guy up 
I speculated that you might see a bit of a challenge between the, uh, <coughs> excuse me, between uh, the the Patriots and Mac Jones mm-hmm. as a second year quarterback making that next progression. Uh, my thinking on Tua was that this is a, a guy who had been, you know, a little bit of a disappointment his first couple of years. Um, so he was playing for that next contract. The Dolphins really assessing of whether or not he was going to be the guy. And going into the season, we had Zach Wilson, who, while coming off a disastrous freshman year for the New York Jets, also had one of the most amusing off seasons with his mother getting involved in. And I don't even remember the details, but I just remember loving Zach Wilson for about 15 minutes preseason. Uh, that that was the way I, I called it at the beginning of the season. A lot of that, you know, wasn't wasn't too far off. I, I think, you know, Mac Jones was kind of a disappointment in his second year. Yeah. I think he's created some questions uh, surrounding himself moving forward. I think Tua stepped up. Statistically, Tua was very good last year mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, whatever metric you want to look at. But Tua also had, you know, up until DeMar Hamlin in what was that week 15 mm-hmm. uh, or week 16, maybe, the, the Tua had one of the scariest moments we've seen in the NFL in a long, long time. And actually multiple scary moments. Like there was one moment where he was, uh, I think, stumbling after a shot to the head. And the the one we're never going to forget, right, is where he was having some sort of spasm and his hands were, uh, I don't I don't know how to, I think everyone knows, recalls what I'm talking about. Yeah, the narratives kind of flipped between Jones and, and Mac Jones. It was like a Freaky Friday situation uh, because everyone was real optimistic about Mac Jones. You know, he was kind of getting Justin Herbert treatment after year one, simply because he wasn't as terrible as the other two. Like what, I don't know what your QB wins metric was, but I think he was like maybe a plus one. No, he break even break even. I think he was either slightly below. He might've been a minus one, but for a rookie minus one's pretty solid. Well, when, when fields was a minus four and, and fields and Wilson were both minus fives. That's <laughs> why so Trevor Lawrence was pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it felt like Mac Jones might be the guy out of that class. And one and, and Tua, we were wondering, is he going to be a starting NFL quarterback for much longer? Is he going to get moved? Is he, you know, what's what's the deal with him? Now people talk about Tua, I think partially because of fantasy football and he had a really good year. And uh, statistically, where it's like he's definitely a franchise guy. There's no question about that. I still question that, and it's not because of his play. It's because of his durability. He's had issues since college, and, and going into the league, I was always concerned about that for him, and I still am. I don't, I don't well, know if I would keep playing football if I were him with with the toll his body took this year. Just in in terms of the progression, so statistically, Tua, um, in in 2021 was 16 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. You know that so that 1.6 TD to interception ratio is very average, mm-hmm. very average. I think that's where Tua was coming from. In this last year, he moved that to 25 to eight, so three to one, which is mm-hmm. pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. He actually finished first in terms of the passer rating number and third wow. in terms of QBR. So Tua, for when he was on the field, was literally as Elite. good as as good as anyone. Yeah, and I think. I don't know. I've always felt I, I like coming into the league. I've said this before. I thought two was going to be like an RG three, where he would be a star, like an absolute star, 
when healthy, but the question was whether he could stay healthy. Unfortunately, Tua hasn't had a career ending or career altering knee injury or anything of that nature. The kinds of things that derailed RG3's career, but the concussions are a huge concern with research and CTE recently. I mean, I, I genuinely am concerned for Tua Tungavailoa. I think he's one of those guys, he's tough as nails and he's going to be out there if he can be. So until a doctor tells him you need to hang it up or you need to play differently or whatever, he's going to keep doing his thing. And I, it's like, in a way, I respect that, but in a way also, you know, you just hope the best for the kid because he's clearly a bright young man with a good head on his shoulders and you, know, you want it to stay that way. Uh, well, but Mac, Mac, yeah, go ahead. Let's, let's finish with Tua. I mean, so the problem now with the Tua has is he's, the way NFL rookie deals work, right? You basically sign a three, you know, a four-year deal, and then there's a fifth-year option. So he's going into year number four, mm-hmm. where he's going to be paid, I think, about nine million dollars. Um, so the Dolphins, are, the Dolphins do not need to make any commitment to to Tua. So he's still at least a year away from getting that uh, bump up to the mid twenty to about twenty million dollars, which. You know, in some ways, Doug, you know, if you're talking about, you know, will he ever play football again, that one year at $20 million is probably the one you want to have come. I mean, look, again, these are these are definitely problems of affluence, but sure. that $20 million is probably the payout that creates the generational wealth where you can sort of happily move on. But he's a year away from that. And the Dolphins are, you know, based on what everyone's seen, they're not going to make an extension. People might argue they should, but he's not going to get that money until following next year at a minimum. So, yeah, I'll be I'll be curious to see. So next year is he unrestricted? Well, next year is his fourth year. Okay. So then the fifth year option following that. Gotcha. So he's so he's, he's got way. the Dolphins are in a good position, basically. Yeah, because yeah, they don't they don't want him on the open market. But if he's, um, you know, if he's still under their contract then the the ball's in their court and so but mac jones on the flip side like coming into last year i think a lot of people like i said he thought he was on that justin herbert trajectory and outplayed by zappy for a good chunk of the season uh yeah. he had injury issues of his own he but he had issues with performance a lot of question marks arose in year two. Was it a sophomore year slump or was it kind of a regression of the mean where maybe this is who he really is and the Patriots don't have their franchise quarterback? I think that's that's the question in New England. Well, and and look, one of my one of the ways I look at quarterbacks is that I think you've got to consider the coach quarterback pair. And it, it looked like coming out of year one that Mac Jones was really the the big winner of that draft class where he was with Belichick right. and uh, Trevor Lawrence was with, um, so what's the guy, sorry, what's his name? Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer, right? Yeah. And, and Justin Fields was with the uh, coach of the Bears, quickly fired, right? Mm-hmm. That he walked into a, to a much better situation. Yeah. Uh, some key numbers, him, Mac Jones, year one, 22 touchdown passes, 13 interceptions, regressed all the way to 14 and 11. Ooh. Okay. So almost a one-to-one ratio also declined in terms of QBR and passer rating. So it really was, it was a really tough year. Now, the, the narrative that's going around is that, you know, New England, I think, had some disruptions in terms of how they approach having an offensive coordinator. They got to get the right coaches in there. But 100%. 
I think Mac Jones went from being, hey, look at the surprise winner of this draft class, taking about what fifteen or sixteen, I think, to now being this is this is a big time question mark, and he's gonna you know get another year because it's a rookie contract, but you know does New England start to look for who's next? You know if anyone if any of the quarterbacks are on the hot seat, Mac Jones has moved to a hot seat. Yeah, I think so, but. I also need to point out that new offensive coordinator situation in New England, bringing in Bill O'Brien, former yeah. offensive coordinator at Alabama. And so maybe that's Belichick doubling down on Mac Jones or Kraft and Belichick and company um, du- doubling down on his development, wanting him to be in a system that he's going to well, be comfortable in. You know, I'll point this out. I don't think anyone in New England has said anything negative about Mac Jones which might say something about that nature of that organization as opposed to, let's say, the New York Jets, where they seem to be very publicly pro-Mac Jones, which, again, second-year player. Historically, I think we see a lot of improvement years one through three in these quarterbacks. So I think it's the smart play. It's just the question of what are they really thinking? Not what they're saying, but what are they thinking? Yeah, and I think that's always the question. You're never going to get a a big storyline coming off of what Belichick's saying or what, you know, they're, they're professionals in new England and, and we kind of have to read into their moves or I know when Mac Jones was benched, Belichick was still supporting him coming out saying he's a great quarterback. You know, we, he's got a little injury issue. We got a guy, we feel like it gives us a better chance right now. Um, a lot of coach speak in new England. Okay. Now you, we also, we, so Mac Jones might be moving to the hot seat. Wow, Doug, Zach Wilson. Um, I, I think the Jets picked Sam Darnold at the third pick and ran him out of town after three years. Zach Wilson seems to be no longer in the New York Jets plans after being the number two pick. You almost wonder what the real problem is in that organization, just dumb luck or just a complete... Uh, and again, maybe there's been almost complete turnover in terms of the general manager and the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. But if I'm the owner of that organization, I'm really worried about w- how that my organization works, that I'm running top three quarterback picks out of my town very, very quickly. You know, mm-hmm. that I'm not even getting to that third year to see this kind of steady improvement. It's just like, no, nah, this, this is a disaster. And then now it's a disaster that's blown up and it's time to move on. And I'll say this, the fact that they're talking about moving on to Derek Carr, who is a player that I statistically hate, (laughs) it strikes me as a guy that is a, like the definition of the slightly above average NFL quarterback that will lock you into just mediocrity for a few years before it kind of starts to regress back to being below average. Yeah, and I think as an NFL fan, mediocrity is the last place you want to be in. I'd rather be in last place because when you're in last place, you get a shot at a Bryce Young or CJ Stroud or, you know, in years past, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, you have that hope. When you're right in the middle, I mean, it's the same in the NBA. It's like you're kind of, at least from a quarterback standpoint, you're largely removed from having access to the elite prospects. You're probably not going to get a guy chasing championships in free agency, right? You're probably not going to get Aaron Rodgers or someone like that, Tom Brady, if he were to come back again. Um, and so you're you don't have access to those guys, but you win too many games to 
you know, to, to get a high draft pick, but you don't win enough games to make the playoffs or to make, you know, to position yourselves for a championship. And so I, I, as a fan, I'd rather, I'd rather see my team win two games than win six or seven <laughs> in the NFL. So that's, that's my take, but yeah, the jets, Zach Wilson, of course, everyone fell in love with his meme ability in the off season. Um, wanted to see him. I don't even even remember. What exactly was it? What did his mother? Oh, what was the story? Um, I hate (laughs) that I even have to say this, but he was accused by an ex of cheating on her with somebody's mom. Uh, so it became a cougar meme with Zach Wilson and his mom's friends and stuff. Okay. I think it was like his best friend's mom or something. But I felt and like his, I felt like Zach's mom got in and well, was she like, came out and she was like, she was, she was on social media and she was tweeting and posting stuff on her Instagram story and stuff like encouraging the discussion as far as insinuating <laughs> that there was something there uh, playfully. And it became I don't know, uh, an internet sensation or a meme in a way. And, and with Zach Wilson, uh, you know, I think people wanted to see him become this legendary guy that had all this, all these stories off the field or no one knew if they were true or not. Um, and, and of course his performance just has never been there <laughs> in the NFL. He's a guy I wasn't high on coming in and still like you, I'm sorry. I know like, I, I, the worst position in the NFL is to be drafting a quarterback every two years or something because you're not building your line and you're not, you know, when you finally get a guy, they're not going to have any support around them. But with that said, the Jets can't, they can't build around Zach Wilson. I think that's, I don't think there's any rehabilitation program that's going to get him right or any system he's going to, like, it's just, it is what it is at this point. It's a sunk cost. No, look, I I think that's fair. I just, raise the question of why didn't it work with Sam Darnold either? So is it this problem of evaluation or is it this problem yes. of <laughs> developing and, and nurturing, right? I mean, I mean, in some ways, I, Darnold and Wilson were, uh, they were both interesting. You almost wonder if there's sort of a little bit of a bias, the, the same bias kind of bit the Jets twice, right? I remember... Well, it was a Darnold making throws during that USC pro day that ESPN happened to be covering in the rain. Mm-hmm. And then the same type of scenario went down with Wilson of look at this throw he's making as he turns his body or as he's rolling to the, to the left or the right. To the I forget what. Yeah. To the left. Yeah. That it was, you know, they, they, they kind of got caught up in this little bit of magic <laughs> and maybe picked a guy a, a few positions before the, where they should have. Yeah. Uh, you know, Drafting these quarterbacks is so. I mean, you hear this all the time, right? That there's there's not enough quality quarterbacks in the NFL, and so there's always going to be this tendency to to reach for them. But you know, so you know, maybe as an organization, you like the idea of Derek Carr to provide some stability, get yourself to you know an eight and eight kind of nine and eight kind of team. The other one that they're talking about in New York is. Well, it's uh, swinging for the fences and it's uh, the 50 plus. Okay, so two questions, right? How much do you have to pay Derek Carr, right? How it, what's the position of one of these guys? Because Carr was always interesting in that he got one of these big quarterback deals, mm-hmm. not with a ton of guaranteed money, mm-hmm. but with a 40 plus million dollar contract. Now that he's essentially washed out of 
Las Vegas, does he get even more? Does he get $45 million again? Or does he take a step back and now he's this, I don't know, $35 million kind of above Mitch Trubisky, but below, uh, but below Josh Allen kind of, kind of contract or, and you know, I love this guy, Doug, Aaron Rodgers in New York to put the Jets back in contention. No, no. no. Okay. Doug's just shaking his head. No, no. I, I don't think Aaron Rodgers, I think it, I don't know. I remember when Brett Favre went to New York with the Jets and it was that same, you know, the veteran who could get them to finally have success and it didn't really happen. I think he was on the cover of Madden and then he got trade he switched teams or something and then they had to reprint it with a different uniform photoshopped on. But anyway, that's beside the point. I don't know. I the more we talk about it, the more it's like maybe Derek Carr is their best option. You look at the Jets, I think the most successful team they've had in the last like 15 years was probably with Mark Sanchez at quarterback to give you an idea of their quarterback woes. So a guy like Derek Carr actually is an upgrade from anything they've had in in some time. I mean, maybe I, since I, Chad Pennington. Yeah, I heard on the radio. Oh, from the Marshall, uh, the herd, I think. Right. Um, yeah. The uh, I, I think I heard on the on TV today that the last time the Jets had a guy receive a vote for league MVP was Joe Namath. So 50 plus years, which says everything you need to know about, you know, the Jets quarterback, uh, the Jets quarterbacks over the years. Um, okay. Beyond the Jets. Okay. What do you think about Josh Allen? So has his narrative changed from being the next guy up to now being the guy that can't seem to get over the hump that, He's got all the talent in the world. And, you know, the, the way the NFL works, it's hard to stay on top. You know, free agency, you're drafting in a lower position. Does Josh Allen's narrative change? And this would be a heartbreaker, especially for that Bills fan base that mm-hmm. everyone loves. That now he's after Mahomes. Burrow has passed him up. Herbert's coming. Is Josh Allen now fighting to be one of the sort of the elite quarterbacks in the AFC? I think that's the narrative. I think that's the narrative in a league of constant overreactions. So (laughs) the overreaction going into the season was that he was the quarterback. He was, you know, the Bills were the class of the NFL and they were going to win the Super Bowl this year. And now it's that, oh, they'll, you know, at this point they haven't done it. They'll probably get stuck in that almost here that like Carson Palmer was in in Cincinnati or someone like that where you're just always almost there but can't get past Brady um and now it's it's Mahomes and Joe Burrow so I I think that's the overreaction I think the bottom line is the Bills have been competitive they've been I mean last year they were pretty much a coin flip away because that that AFC championship came down to the overtime rules where, where they didn't get the toss and they lost the game in a shootout uh, where they didn't get the ball <laughs> in overtime. And so it, that's a team that's been competitive for Super Bowls. I think they're going to continue being, and I think he's going to continue being one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. But the pressure does accumulate the longer it takes. It reminds me, and I've said this before, it reminds me of LeBron James early in his career where he kept getting really close, but every year that passed that he didn't win one, it was like, wait, is he never, is he always going to be like the almost guy that just can't get it done for whatever reason? 
uh, maybe because he's in the same league as some other great players, or maybe because he just doesn't have that it factor, and people start to attribute that to the quarterback when it's in the NFL. And so I think he's getting LeBron James treatment. But like LeBron, with LeBron, it was like you play in enough championships, it's just a matter of time. Uh, when you play on good teams and championships, and and over time, you know, it it kind of worked itself out for him. I think that's what's going to happen with Josh Allen. But we also have to. We've gotten so critical of these quarterbacks. We judge everyone off of Tom Brady. It used to be that like winning a Super Bowl was a lifetime achievement. And that was something. Or winning two, right? Yeah, winning two. Because I mean, I remember when Tom. I mean, when uh, Peyton Manning won his first, and it had been the longest time. I mean, he was a veteran at that point. Um, and it was celebrated. It wasn't, oh, he, you know, he finally did what he should have done all along. It was like he's reached the mountaintop. And now because of partially because of young guys like Patrick Mahomes having so much success and start, you know, starting to build a, a dynasty early in their careers, but also really just going back to Brady and the fact that he won so many that anybody that's on that like talent level, there's that expectation of, okay, they need to win six Super Bowls. And the problem is there's a couple of those guys, right? Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, and Patrick Mahomes can't all win six Super Bowls. Um, and a few of those guys might not win any. And, and Josh Allen is a guy that, you know, I think he's getting judged against Mahomes and Brady, whereas maybe it's maybe he's Peyton Manning. And there's nothing wrong with being Peyton Manning. In fact, some people would argue that Peyton Manning was the best or, you know, the best of his era or whatever. Just It's just a matter of circumstance. And so uh, that's that's my objective view. But the overreaction and I think the perception right now is that the Bills just can't get over the hump. They can't, you know, it's like how Georgia was for the longest time until they finally did. Okay, and I think that's a good way to put it. The overreaction, it's like overreaction Monday, right? And, we, and this is how the world of sports works, right? We're Especially so, with quarterbacks. We're calling out some of these narratives because, you know, the reality, and look, and I'll say this as a caveat to what I'm about to say. Like the NFL is a machine that in general churns teams. You, you know, you're in first place, you're playing a tougher schedule, you're drafting in a lower position, and you tend to fall down. And teams at the bottom, you know, like the Jets were a remarkable improvement. I think they went from four games to seven games last year, right? Um, but again, the Jets are going to be drafting better than the Bills. You might think on average they're going to have fewer free agency losses, have to pay out less money. Okay, so that's you know the way the NFL works. But the reality is, even as we went through all this and we sort of said, "Yeah, Josh Allen," kind of the hot take is that he's, you know, he's he's may have dropped a little bit from being Superman to now he's struggling to join the elite status. Uh, you know, two is great. Mac Jones is struggling. Zach Wilson's you know out the door. The Bills went thirteen and three, right? So the Bills were absolutely dominant. They were clearly separated from the rest of this division, and so we're saying we're saying some negative things about Josh Allen. But you got to bet the Bills are back, even if they oh, regress yeah. a little bit to winning that division. No, and uh, it's just it's just going to be a tough road where it's like, you know, you might if you're the Bills, there's a chance in the playoffs you're going to have to play Cincinnati and Kansas City, and that's, every year. Yeah. yeah, and that's that is before you even make the Super Bowl, and then you play a team like Philadelphia or a team like San Francisco. Like, so I mean, they they probably have the hardest road. I would say that team and the Bengals have the hardest road of anyone uh, that's a Super Bowl contender because there there's so many elite teams they have to get through to win one, and it's just hard to do. And I think I I still think it's a matter of time in Buffalo, but Josh Allen's got to stay healthy. Um, they got to keep pieces around him that you know the playmakers that they've had and in their system i know that 
Last year, they lost their offensive coordinator to the Giants as a head coach, and, and it's, it's tough to s- sustain the level of success that they've had. Uh, that said, I, I still expect them to. Okay, but going back to this issue of sort of these kind of unfortunate overreactions, <laughs> the other teams in that division, you know, we're, we're t- saying great things about Tua. They were 9-8. and eight. We're yeah. saying really major questions about Mac Jones. They were 8-9. and nine. Right, literally one game separating in terms of one, you know, games of inches in terms of, you know, it easily could have been the Patriots at nine and eight and the Dolphins at eight and nine. And the Jets, with the the disaster they had, seven and 10. Yeah. Right. So complete grouping and very different, uh, very different takes on these guys. Okay, Doug, uh, we got about a minute here. You know, this is kind of a funny time of year in terms of, in terms of sports. Uh, you know, the NBA now, look, this is now where the NBA kind of gets interesting. Oh yeah. A lot of pieces are in place in terms of, you know, how are these trades going to work out? Um, we can start to sort of smell major league baseball on the horizon. I saw there was a story that Aaron judge is the first Yankees captain since, uh, Derek Jeter, uh, college basketball will start to heat up. March madness Um, coming soon. March madness coming soon. And the NFL quarterbacks will be, you know, look. Derek Carr, Lamar Jackson on a franchise tag, and Aaron Rodgers, you know, we will always have kind of the, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of the second, God, you know, I was about to call these, these other sports these second-tier sports, but it's kind of the other sports time to, to shine and try and break through while the NFL kind of continually puts up the pressure. So you got anything you're looking at this week? I'm excited to see some of these new look NBA teams that, you know, we're coming off the all-star game. So moving into the second half of the season, a lot of trades, you know, we start to see how Kyrie and uh, Luca mesh start to see. Love it. That's my favorite thing to look at. Start to see the new look Lakers. And I I know some Lakers fans that feel like Westbrook's not on the team now and they've got a, a good core and LeBron's playing great. And they're finally going to turn the corner and, and be a playoff team um and i'm just now seeing that westbrook is going to sign with the clippers so the clippers are going to have westbrook paul george and Kawhi leonard something that isn't going to (laughs) work but it's a lot of stars on one team but yeah i'm excited for that uh i think that's the big thing for me and then in in the world of fandom outside of sports i'm looking forward to some new some new star wars content and I'm also starting to, the buzz is picking up back to the NBA for Victor Wimbayama, uh, for this up, you know, this next year's NBA draft. That guy is, if you could tank and guarantee you were getting the number one pick, so many teams would be gunning for it right now. But man, if he ends up playing for the Spurs under Popovich or something like that, that would be, uh, really exciting for the NBA. So I'm excited to see what happens with him, but that's, that's a little bit out into the future. I would say the closest thing that I'm just stoked for is March Madness because. It is like Christmas. It's like, I don't know. It's such a fun time that first week, especially. And it's sneaking up on us. Like it is almost March. It is almost time for some madness. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just add two things. Ted Lasso season three. Oh yeah. About a month out and drive to survive the formula one documentary, which we should probably talk some about at some point. Cause that really is something that's changing that's changing the way sports are covered and the way fandom yeah. is development developed uh, season five coming out in, I think about a week from now. Uh, so a lot of kind of good sports 
adjacent content on the horizon. Hey, Ted Lasso is okay. my favorite, my favorite soccer content, including real <laughs> soccer. So I, the one time you'll find me getting really into a soccer match is when it's AFC Richmond. Hey, and I'll say this, you know, Ted Lasso season one, one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Ted Lasso season two, absolutely terrible. I will be there to the end to hope that they turn this back around. I didn't think it was terrible, but it wasn't as good as the first season. <laughs> okay. So, uh, We'll, we'll be back talking to you guys next week. Thanks.